Praise God. Praise Thankful that God has an, an enormous eraser that can, you, it's called the blood of the Lamb that can yeah. wash and cleanse and erase. The Bible says when we're baptized in Jesus' name, behold, all things are become new. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Amen. I just have faith today. Believe whatever you need God to erase, God can erase. Amen. I just have faith enough in my God that he can save anyone. He can do anything. Amen. I, there is a spirit of faith in this house this morning. Amen. I believe that God is able this morning to move and meet the needs in this house. Praise God. Amen, amen. Grant it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. So good to feel what I feel in the house of the Lord this morning. And there's a great spirit right now. And I, I do want to quickly bring Brother Deathridge to the pulpit this morning. So glad to have Brother and Sister Deathridge here with us. Amen. Again. Praise God. And I believe God has something for this church this morning. Amen. Amen. Reagan and Hunter, good to see y'all this morning. God bless you. Amen. Could we just, in one mind and one accord, give God a hand clap of praise and worship as Brother Deathridge comes this morning? Come on, would you add your voice to that and give the Lord a shout of praise? Oh, come on, that's it. He deserves it. He deserves it. Come on, he deserves my best. Even when I don't feel like it. Even when my mind is overwhelmed and my heart is overwhelmed. He's still worthy of every bit of praise that I can give him. Come on, with abandonment, would you give him praise for just 30 seconds and not think about anything else but praise God for what he's done in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We can come up with a lot of New things, cool things, progressive things. But the apostolic church better never lose the element of praise. Praise is not some second or third rate deal that we do to look crazy, to act crazy, to be out of our mind. But praise is something that is rooted and founded in this word. Praise brought people out of the prison. Praise brought the walls of Jericho down. Praise parted the red. We can go throughout the Bible. And he said, when my heart is overwhelmed, he said, praise him with a loud voice. Praise him with a, come on somebody, would you praise God right now on the high sounding cymbals. Let everything, let everything, let everything, praise him in the dance. Praise Him in the dance. Somebody praise Him right now. Come on. This is what we need for where we're headed right now. Somebody praise. Come on. High sounding cymbals. High sounding cymbals. With your voice. Give Him praise. 
Ninja! I heard a preacher say not long ago, Brother Tracy, and it rocked my world. He said, the unrepentant heart is a playground for hell. But I would submit to us tonight that the heart that has no praise or this morning, the heart that lacks praise for their God, Brother Clint, if I don't praise him, the rocks are going to cry out. Let everything that has, if I got to praise hell out of my mind, if I got to praise hell out of my heart, I'm going to praise him. Call me crazy, call me out of my mind, but if I gotta praise the hell of my family, I'll praise him till I lose my voice. Come on, praise him right now, praise him. Come on, this ain't hype, this ain't phony, this is apostolic. Let everything. And some of us, God has blessed us so much that it's easy to look down our holier-than-thou nose at those that still lose their mind in praise. I watched this, I don't know your name, young lady, but I watched this young girl all morning weeping and praising under the power of the Holy Ghost. Hey, let's not get so high and mighty and so holy that we forget where God brought us from and we forget that if I praise Him, I'll get my miracle. If I praise Him, I'll get my healing. If I praise Him, come on, would you praise Him one more time with all your heart? something brother Nichols talked about prayer meeting we ought never to do away with prayer meeting sister Mullins we ought never to do away with this worship that we have here see anybody can praise him but he's got to seek for a worshiper the rocks in the flower bed can praise him but he's got to seek and look for somebody to worship there is a difference between the two but sometimes, just rearing back in the face of all the hell, in the face of 2020, in the face of everything that's come against you, when we can praise Him in our mind and in our heart, and we can praise Him and say, look, you tried to take me out, but I'm still standing. So I deserve, my God deserves my praise. so delighted to be here I love what I feel in this house I 
And I believe God's going to do something great. If you need the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you, if you need the Holy Ghost, it's yours if you want it. You don't have to beg God for the gift of the Holy Ghost. But if you'll let your faith rise, if you'll repent of your sins and say, God, I want the Holy Ghost more than I want my next breath, God can fill you with the Holy Ghost today. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. I'm, I got somewhere to get. I feel in the Holy Ghost, but... There's so many things I feel in this house. We could literally pick any direction and go, and I believe God would honor it. But I, I, I do feel something specific this morning, and it's a little bit different than what I would preach on a Sunday morning. But I feel burdened and compelled to preach to the fabric and the core of this church. And as I preach this, it's nothing new. But as we move through this, I want, us, I want us to look at this. Sometimes we don't need a, a thundering, booming voice from heaven to rock our world. Sometimes all we have to do, Pastor Mullins, is change our perspective of ourselves. And as we move through this this morning, we're approaching a new year, hopefully a much better year. What are the history books going to say in 2020? It might be just a fuzzy blur. It may say nothing. Some of you, some of you, your relationships, you'll look back and say, how's your relationship going? You'll say, I got 2020. How's your day? Oh, it's like 2020. But I do believe that we're headed somewhere this next year that the church has never seen a day that the church has never seen and as we move through this today i want us to i want us to look to the future i want us to look to the new year i don't want us to miss the moment but i want some of us have got to change our perspective of ourselves if we're going to be able to move forward the children of israel viewed themselves grasshoppers the enemy didn't view them that way God didn't view them that God already promised them that it was theirs some of us have promises that God is waiting for us to possess but we have to shift the way we view ourselves in order to obtain those promises and I do understand that what I'm going to preach this morning probably one of the most preached stories out of our Bible I realize it's been preached every which way, upside down, inside and out, sideways. And, but I feel so drawn to it this morning. I believe it's going to help somebody. Right. And so good to see Hunter and Reagan again. Amen. I told Brother Clint I want to trade him trucks, but then I got to thinking about that red Dodge. I may want to trade for that one. <laughs> Let's line them up and whichever one, whichever one. <clears throat> There's nothing new under the sun, so I, I'm not going to apologize for preaching something you have heard today. We've all heard it a thousand times over, but one man said it like this, alliteration is always an ally. Hyperbole is everything. Onomatopoeia makes a splash, but repetition is king. 
When acronyms are futile, when specificity is not the thing, when symbolism waves a white flag, repetition is king. Though allegory weaves a story, I remember nothing when it comes to minds as dull as mine. Repetition is king. So if repetition is king, I believe that the Lord wants to speak to us one more time from a story we have heard so often. Go with me, if you would, very quickly to Genesis chapter 32. And again, it is a delight to be here with your pastor and first lady and their family. They have literally become like family to us. They have been a blessing to us, an encouragement to us. We love them very much. ARC, you're absolutely blessed to have this family. So glad my beautiful wife is with me. I think Carson has rode through Sunday school this long, so maybe he'll stay the whole time. Genesis chapter 32 and verse number 24. And Jacob was left alone. There wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. When he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. The hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go. For the day breaketh. He said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. He said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. He said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men. That would have been enough right there, but he didn't stop. He said, and hast prevailed. Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee thy name. He said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face. And my life is preserved. I believe there are many reasons that we are all drawn to this story of Jacob. Number one, in my opinion, is because we can all relate to this man in every way possible. I believe this is why we see his life in its ups and downs, failures and struggles. You see, the Bible, thankfully, I'm thankful for this, the Bible does not sugarcoat its characters' lives. But it paints a clear picture for you and I to see that if God can use a man like Jacob, if God can use these men and women in this book that we look to after showing us the good, the bad, and the ugly, I have hope that God can use me in his kingdom. I have hope even when I feel too far gone. When I look through this book and I see the men and women that God took their lives from skid row. When God took their lives from addiction. When God took their lives from tragedy and failure. And he turned it around and he used them. I've got hope that God can do something with my life if I'll just give it all to him. If the Holy Ghost would help me, 
I want to do my best to preach to the fabric and the core of this church because every single one of us have dysfunction. Every single one of us have things in our life that we would love to bury and forget. I've come to preach to you with a burden this morning. I'm limping because I wouldn't let go. I'm limping because I wouldn't let go. Would you put your Bibles down? Raise your hands. The Holy Ghost is already here. Would you ask Him to talk to you? Would you ask Him to speak to you in a mighty way? Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Come on, lift your voice and pray like apostolic. Clap your hands and shout unto the Lord as you're seated. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. I do not have to inform you today that Jacob is known throughout the Bible and history as a struggler. Jacob's name means supplanter, a heel grabber, one who trips up. Well, I can relate to that one. One who deals craftily. See, brother, Jacob spends his entire life in a struggle. He starts out before he even enters into this world in a struggle with his twin brother Esau inside his mother Rebekah's womb. Sometimes the struggle can seem overwhelming and oftentimes the struggle is very real. But I'm thankful that I know the God of the struggler. I'm thankful that I know the God who comes to a rescue for a struggling young man that's doing his best to make it. And a struggling young woman that's doing her best to make it. He comes to the rescue for the struggling single mother and knows how no more how to do it than the man on the moon. But he's the God that knows how to rescue a struggler. Genesis 25, 22 lets us to know that the children struggled together within her. Jacob then wins the birthright, or we could say he steals the birthright, in a struggle with his father, who with the help of his mother, he deceives his father into giving him the birthright that belonged to his older brother, Esau, the firstborn. You think your family's dysfunctional. I think this goes to another level. We don't have time to get into it today, but parents, would you hear me? As we struggle our way to do our best to raise our babies, our character flaws and our dysfunctions, unfortunately, don't stop with me, but they're passed down to my boy and they're passed down to my girl. If I could plead with every parent in this house this morning, don't give up when you're struggling. Don't give up when it seems like it's too much and it's too hard and it seems like it's not worth it because you got babies 
that you're responsible for. You got babies that are looking to you and they're going to look at, my God, daddy couldn't even make it through that. I'm not going to be able to make it. But I'm thankful that the God who's over my struggles can help my little boy when he starts struggling. But if I give up and throw in the towel, I'm teaching him that the God we sing about and we praise and we pray to and we worship, he's not big enough to help me when I'm struggling. Jacob struggles with Laban in his attempt to secure Rachel as his wife. But he gets owned by the deception and cunningness of Laban. After seven years of service, he goes to collect his lovely bride. Laban says, no way, sucker. You don't get her, but you can have Leah. We don't have time to get into the meaning of Leah. Jacob, no doubt devastated. No doubt at rock bottom. No doubt frustrated. But he serves another seven years to get his bride. Jacob met his match of deception with his father-in-law. But in the end, Jacob wins the struggle. At the end of 14 years, because he goes riding off with a camel, not one wife, but two wives. But he got the one that he wanted. He might have won it. He might have had to struggle for it. But say what you will about Jacob. He got what he wanted. Typically, he got what he wanted dishonest and loaded and full of deception. But the thing that Jacob struggled for, I want you to think about everything he fought and struggled for, typically always ended up in disaster and tragedy. Even though he seems to come out on top. Even though he always seems to be one step ahead in every struggle. It always causes him trouble and tragedy. But there is one struggle in Jacob's life that marks him physically. It is a struggle that happens in the middle of the night. While he is in the midst of his lifelong struggle with his brother Esau. The struggler soon realizes that this struggle is unlike any other struggle in his life. Jacob realizes that this encounter is different than any other encounter in his life. He quickly understands that there is destiny in this struggle. He quickly understands that there is something different about this moment. And he realizes this moment is going to change me forever. Jacob identified the man he wrestled with as God in verse 30. Then we find Hosea identifies him as the angel of God. Whoever and whatever this was 
that Jacob wrestled with, he clearly realized it wasn't just any man because he grabbed a hold of him as if his life literally depended on it. Genesis 32, 26, and he said, let me go for the day breaketh. He said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Here we see Jacob at his finest. He's not about to let a struggle, Brother Tracy, slip through his hands and him not get something out of the struggle. That's the mentality that I believe some of us need as we move into 2021. It may be a whole lot worse than 2020. But if I can get the mentality, if I've got to wrestle and struggle and fight my way through, as long as I hold on, I'm going to get what I need. I'm not going to let a moment slip by that I don't get what I need. But I'm getting everything I can out of every struggle, every temptation, every battle, every sickness, every depression. Every, I'm getting my miracle on the other side of the struggle. I might be going through hell. I might be in the fight of my life. But somewhere through this, I'm going to get a blessing and a miracle that's going to mark me and change me for the rest of my life. The man then gives Jacob what he asked for. In verse 27, when he says, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. Jacob then calls the place Peniel when he says, I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. I believe that the anointing that we feel that has settled on this house, somebody, before we leave this place today, is going to come face to face with the God of the struggler. Somebody's going to come face to face. You're on the verge of giving up. You're on the verge of throwing in the towel. You feel like the struggle is greater than the reward. But before we leave here today, if you'll visit the altar where he visits you one more time and you can get a glimpse of him one more time face to face, he'll show you, young lady, it's worth the struggle. Young man, it's worth the fight. Don't give up when you're in the struggle it is not the struggle and it is not Jacob's character that I want to preach to us about today but it is his limp that has captivated my attention a limp is simply defined as to walk with a jerky movement as when lame. It is also defined to progress slowly. Think about this. This is what a limp means. To progress slowly and with great difficulty. To make little or no advance. 
Some of us have spent the last 10 months, 9 months, whatever it is, in this year. And we have made little, or even some of us have made no advance at all. The enemy, this is exactly where he wants us. Focused and fixed on the limp or the handicap or the lameness or the failure or the divorce or the struggle or the setback or the bankrupt. He wants us focused all of our attention on the limp. You don't come from a family with a great heritage. You'll never be able to be anything for God. You don't come from money. You don't wear the right clothes. You don't drive a nice enough car. You don't have any of this. But can I tell you, if you can limp your way to an altar, a blessing, God will take your handicap. God will take your background. God will take your failure. And God will make you something greater than you could ever dream I might be limping but I'm limping because I wouldn't let go you see a limp brother Tracy signifies that whatever came against you did not prevail a limp signifies that I'm still here. I may be limping, but baby, I still got breath in my body. I may be limping, but I still got purpose. I may have baggage, but I got destiny all my life because I would not let go in the struggle. Jacob lives the rest of his life marked by his encounter with another world. I don't think he cared. Because his limp signified, I've got power with God. Yeah, I look a little different. I look a little odd. There's something wrong with me. But I got power with God and with man. And I prevailed. Yeah, something's wrong. It's not all perfect like it should be. But I'm still here. Yeah, I got junk in my past that should have destroyed me. But I'm still standing. And I still got purpose and anointing. I've preached all the way to here to preach to the core of this church right here. And I want everyone that calls this church and this pastor your pastor to listen to me. The enemy would lie to you and tell you that your limp is a sign of weakness. And that your limp is a sign that you're a permanent failure. As I've even been preaching through this today. Trying to preach it as positive and, as, and build as much faith as I can in the Holy Ghost. The enemy is lying to some of us and telling us, yeah, but your limp is different. Your lameness is greater. Hashtag, you're too lame. Your background... Brother Bryson, it's not like anybody else's. So God can't take you and do what he can do with Brother Tracy or Brother Hunter or Brother Clint. God has to leave you right here on the sidelines because you're too messed up. See, we're not supposed to compare ourselves among ourselves. 
But it's easy for me to look at what God's doing with him and say, wow, doors are opening for him a whole lot sooner than they did for me. What's wrong with me? God's doing things for him. Why am I? Why isn't he doing them for me? And we begin to focus on our limp and not the fact that we don't know what he struggled through in the middle of the night. You and I don't know the hell and the pain he's fought through to get and when he could have let go. But he never let go. And when that, there's something, when I don't let go, I might be limping. But I got a power and an anointing that comes along with the limp that I can change the world because of my limp, baby. I know what it is to walk into a church as a teenage boy. That fell flat on my face and felt the looks of judgmental people that all they saw was my limp. Now, the flip side to that, those of us that feel that everybody's looking at us, yeah, I have that problem too. They're usually not. They're usually no more thinking about you and your struggle then they just want to go to Country Boy and have a fried chimichanga. But the enemy will make that thought so real in your mind that it'll paralyze you and it'll cause you to sit through a service and miss a moment of destiny because you feel like everybody knows my failure. Everybody knows my past. Everybody knows why I'm limping. Yeah, they may know, but do they see the power that comes through your limp? Do they feel the anointing because you never let go? It's okay to limp. Just don't ever lose your worship. I may be worshiping with a limp. But it means I have not let go. The idea that everything has to be so perfect. Social media has its place and it's great and I'm not here to preach against it. My backslidden wife has it. But it has caused us to be so hard on ourselves. I'm 30, I don't, 33, 33 years old with two kids and a wife. I should have nothing to worry about. But I look on there sometime and I see guys that look like him and him and him. And I look at me, I go, oh my God, there's something that it does. So you put that in a 12 year old girl's hands. You put that in a 14-year-old boy's hands that his face is covered in acne. And you tell me why they're struggling so much. Because we learn how to compare ourselves. Instead of say, I need you and you need me. I need your struggle and you need my struggle. When we all pull together, when we all struggle together, God can do something with a struggler that never lets go. I had a man tell me one time he wasn't a preacher, he wasn't a prophet, he was just a saint in the Fresno church, and I was struggling. And I started to move my way from the front row, gradually further and further back. And he caught me in the parking lot one night, 
And he said, one thing about you that always impressed me is you're a worshiper. Okay, cool. That feels good. He said, but don't let life ever cause you to stop worshiping. There's not a one of us that has a corner on tragedy or trouble. There's not a one of us uh, that has a corner on being bitter and frustrated. Every single one of us have junk in our lives uh, that can cause us. Uh, but the moment I stop worshiping is the moment I stop prevailing in the spirit. Some days uh, I don't feel like it, but I got to worship so I can prevail. Young lady, it's okay to limp. Just don't ever stop worshiping. When the enemy tries to throw your limp in your face, you need to remind him that your limp signifies not only have I had a name change, but in a struggle at an altar where I didn't let go, I had a character change too. Young lady, I don't know where you've been in your life, but what God's done for you in this church in the last couple weeks, you're not the same young lady you were. You'll never be identified as who you were. God's done something. God's done something in your life that's gave you a character change. It's changed your destiny. It'll change who you are. I'm not the same as I was. I've had a name change at an altar. I might be limping, but I'm still holding on. Stand with me all over the house, musicians come. My limp does not signify my weakness. My limp represents my victory over my struggle. Yeah, you're right. You, you see that it's a little weird. It's a little different. And that's okay. I embrace it. I receive it. Because I know in the middle of the night, uh, in a deep, dark cave uh, where I almost let go, uh, when I felt it slipping from my hands, uh, that something happened in the spirit. And I said, I can't let go. I got to hold on. So now I got a limp, uh, but I've also got an anointing that comes along with a limp uh, that allows me to change my world. I should have called this hashtag embrace the limp. Quit trying to hide. You can't hide a limp. You can't hide it. Do what you will. Put more tissue in your shoe. Wear your mama's combat boots. You can't hide it. When, when did the church become so fixed on looking so perfect and looking so real? My limp is a testimony to you. My struggle is a testimony. If God can do it for me, he can do it for you. I know it's repetition, but repetition is king. God wants somebody to embrace your limp today. Your limp doesn't disqualify you. 
Your limp doesn't put you on the backside of nowhere. In fact, you want to know the truth? Your limp makes you a prime candidate. Because when you realize it's not by might, it's not by power. But when I get into a place with my limp, that it's not on my own accord, but it's his spirit that makes up the difference. Then I can be effective because I'm not getting the glory. I'm not getting the hey. So whatever baggage you got, embrace it, baby. Whatever struggle you got, quit trying to hide it. Embrace it. Let your light shine. Hey. This little limp of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm not trying to hide it from you. I want it to be a testimony to you that God's got destiny for you. Embrace the limp. The anointing that's on your life comes through the limp. See, your limp can be your excuse. It can be your handicap can limp your way to an altar this morning and say I'm not allowing my limp to keep me anymore Pastor Mullins there's people in this there's people in this church that have talents and abilities that nobody knows you have and you've hid them for so long because you feel disqualified because of the baggage you're carrying you feel disqualified because of the too many divorces I'm going to tell somebody right now in the Holy Ghost. Divorce does not mean destroyed. I have no idea who that's for. But the enemy is hanging a divorce over somebody's head. And you need to realize that just because you have, and anybody in this church that makes you feel any better, they're not in alignment with him, and they're not in alignment with the God of the struggler. Because the God of the struggler says, bring me all your dysfunction. Bring me your limp, and let me take it, and make something beautiful out of it. There's people in this church that have talents and anointings and abilities that you're hiding. But as we move into the new year, I challenge you, come to your pastor. Say, Pastor, I can't do much, but I'm good at this. I can do this. I want, plug me in where I can be plugged in. Because let me tell you something else about somebody that limps. Limps are contagious. No, not limp-wristed. Because when you see somebody that gets up out of a struggle, they might be limping. It gives me the confidence that, hey, if he can do it, I can do it. Yeah, we may be a church full of handicapped, lame limpers, but God's doing something in Rosedale with a bunch of strugglers that knew how to hold on to their purpose and their destiny. And we're building a church and we're reaching our city. sing I don't know who's limped your way into this house today but I've come to challenge you your limp cannot keep you from your destiny anymore we've blown the cover on this thing 
All of us have a limp. All of us have struggles that should have destroyed us. Your limp, your struggle cannot keep you hostage to your name change and your character anymore. The apostle said, I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. 1 Timothy 6, 12, fight a good fight of faith. I might be limping, pastor, but I haven't lost my fight. Paul sought the Lord three times to remove his limp. Three times he wanted the Lord to take away the thorn in the flesh. But see, the thorn wasn't sent to destroy him. The limp was not there to kill him. But it was sent to keep him from becoming proud. Because of the revelations God gives him. So Paul asked him to remove it. Then he says something off the wall. He says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Paul, are you out of your ever-living mind? Who would take pleasure in all of that list of nonsense? Paul realized that my power comes from my limp. My limp's not a setback. My limp doesn't destroy my future. But my limp is a setup for God to show himself strong on my behalf. God wants us today, ARC, to embrace the limp and realize when I'm weak, then I'm made strong. Could I say it like this? God is looking for a limping but a willing vessel that says I cannot do it on my own. I've tried it. But I'll limp my way to an altar. I'll struggle my way to an altar and let the anointing of the Holy Ghost flood my life. Come on, as they begin to sing, I'm opening these altars. And I want every struggler in this room to struggle and limp your way to an altar and allow God to hide you under the shadow of the cross. Allow God to take your limp and make it a testimony.